welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, FG Business Reporter Alex Black. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday, so make sure that you're subscribed on your favourite platform. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at what's happening in the grain markets and what farmers need to be focusing on as we head towards harvest time. But first, sustainability is the big focus at the moment, not just for agriculture, but for the whole business world. And for Weetabix, this meant taking a look at the whole operations, from the farm right through to the supermarket shelf. I caught up with Weetabix Supply Chain and Technical Director John Petrie, who leads the Weetabix Sustainability Steering Group, about its importance to them. Look, at Weetabix, we, you know, we make the UK's biggest, most popular breakfast cereal, and you know, sustainability has been in the heritage of the business as part of the DNA of the company. And not only that, there's now ever more interest from consumers, from customers, um, about sustainability, and they want to know how we're making Weetabix ever more sustainable. And how are you doing that? Well, we've got a sustainability strategy that we put together, which has four pillars, sustainable ingredients, low-impact packaging, efficient operations and health and well-being and we're looking at all of the things that we can do through our supply chain to improve the sustainability of Weetabix against those four areas and we do that with a, a cross-functional team that, that I head up um, and we you know people from all across the business who through their functional jobs also through their interest in improving our sustainability get involved um, Clearly, the other part of it is also how we link with our suppliers, and that includes the farmers who grow the wheat mix wheat for us, all of which comes from within 50 miles of our plants. Um, and that growers group is, a, is a, a brilliant source of, first of all, our most important ingredient, which allows us to make great quality wheat mix, but also knowledge and understanding of, of what's important in the growing of wheat and, and how we can work with them to improve its sustainability. Brilliant. And you just want to tell us a little bit as well, just about uh, working with your growers and the importance of, of that local uh, growing group that you have? Yeah, sure. So the growing group's been running for more than 10 years now. Um, and the way it works, just two key parts of it really, we have a, a wheat protocol. So everyone who grows wheat for Weetabix needs to follow the protocol. And that goes beyond the, the standards of just Red Tractor and, and other um, environmental sustainability schemes. Um, there are about 350 farmers over the last 10 years who've grown wheat for us, about 70,000 tonnes a year um, to that protocol. And there's also a smaller group of farmers who we meet with regularly who are our biggest growers. Um, and they help us really understand what's going on in the world of farming, how the crop's doing as it grows, getting ready for the next uh, season, and how we can keep adapting and improving our protocol to guarantee the quality of our wheat and increase its sustainability. Thanks to John for that, and keep your eyes peeled in paper for an in-depth interview with John in our view from the top section. Now over to our grain market update. Following the recent rains, there seems to be a more optimistic mood in the air for the prospects of the UK wheat crop. CRM Agri-Commodities' Peter Collier gave me his thoughts on the situation as we head towards harvest. It's been quite nice and sunny recently, hasn't it, Ian? And, and we're approaching summer. You know, what are we now? So from the 10th of June and you know, we're probably you know, not far off, six weeks away from, from getting into it. I think really the big thing that's happened is finally there was some rain at the back end of May. We're starting to get fairly concerned for harvest, but that rain at the end of May has really come in and helped a lot. And not just in the UK, but also across Europe as well, being in France, Germany, 
that rain has just really helped and has come in and saved the potential. We're probably looking at crops are a little bit bigger than where we were previously. It's a situation which has really, really helped for next year. You'd say probably we were looking at maybe a 14, 14 and a half million tonne crop prior to May and getting increasingly concerned. We could be a bit more optimistic now, may even be pushing up towards over 15 million tonne domestic uh, wheat crop um, come harvest. There's still a long way to go, but confidence is increasing. That's the, the nub of it really is that's really been what's driven a lot of that confidence is that rain in late May. And it's, it's helped uh, winter crops as well, you know, win, winter barley's um, looking better too. And definitely come in and helped um, at spring crops as well. We were also fairly concerned for spring barley, but it's certainly looking a lot, lot better. And certainly the livestock guys would be a, in a lot more comfortable position now as well. Certainly that first silage cut would have been fairly poor, but I've had some good grass growth since. So yeah, that's really helped. Where does that leave us in terms of the markets and, and prices and where we are with the import-export situation? We're still going to be tight next season. We can't ignore what's happened this year. You know, the hang-up and effect of a, a sub-10 million tonne wheat crop is going to be fairly long-lasting. You know, so we're going to enter into this summer, into the start of next season, with very, very minimal stocks to be taken over. You know, normally, you'd say about one and a half, maybe two million tonnes of um, carryover stock into next season, which you can add to your overall supply. But there's just not going to be that this year, heading to next year. So... Yes, yields are now looking better, we've got a bit more confidence and moving up towards a 15 million tonne crop is better in terms of supply, but we're still nowhere near like sort of a large export year um, for our own domestic crop. We may find areas like East Anglia have um, relatively large surpluses, may even go on some small vessels, but overall as the UK as a whole, we're not looking at a large exportable surplus still and that's being reflected in prices as well. So the way we view markets is we view our UK domestic prices in relationship to European prices and where UK futures lie in relationship to Paris milling wheat. And in years of tight stocks, we'll push up to around about parity. So pricing at the same level as European markets. And in years when we have a surplus, we can fall down to anywhere near about £25 below that of European markets. And wherever the UK sits in terms of relative surplus, to Europe determines where we lie between those two sort of fairly tight um, tight levels that import ceiling or export floors are often called. And at the moment for next season we're around about sort of five to ten pounds or discount below European values so we're already pricing in that um, slightly more confidence we have for crops next year. We're certainly not as tight as we've been this year but certainly it's by no means a large export year so a lot of that pricing relationship gets set really early on and from then on, we're exposed to um, the, the global market. Similar dynamic with barley as well, if you touch on feed barley. So at CRM, we don't really like to think of feed barley as trading at discount to uh, UK feed wheat. Because UK feed wheat was swung between being exporter to importer, and it just becomes fairly variable. So that sort of near constant relationship between feed barley and wheat just isn't there anymore. And we like to um, look more at uh, UK feed barley relationship to continental markets instead, where it attracts much uh, more closely. So looking to next year, we've got a slightly eased supply of wheat. So we're likely to see that um, barley um, price relative to domestic wheat come under a bit of pressure as um, UK feed wheat falls in relationship to European markets. 
we touched a little bit there, obviously, on, on the relationship there with the European markets. But looking globally, I mean, what are the key trends on the continent and beyond that are going to impact uh, the UK market? Well, our Swiss are direct neighbours of um, France, a similar sort of situation to how the UK has been in many ways. So we had a relatively poor crop last year. We're going to be finishing um, this current season in France as well as Europe as a whole with um, really fairly tight stocks. I've got to bear in mind that for next season too. So although we're looking at far better production levels across France where crop conditions remain really good, and indeed across Europe as well, we're looking at um, increasing confidence. We're likely to see um, production estimates increase over the um, coming, um, coming weeks and months. But we're still going to have relatively tight stocks by the time we get to through to the end of next season. So we can't be too bearish and expect prices to fall way below average for, for next season. We're looking at better production, but there is that global hang-up of the season just gone and the long-lasting impact of these tight stocks. But it's looking a lot better. And again, if we look at the Black Sea and Russia, which have become increasingly important over the last few decades, in Russia, we're looking at relatively good crop as well, probably going to be a slightly above 80 million tonne wheat crop, unless we have a disaster from here on in, but certainly confidence has increased. Came up winter and looked as if we had a bit more winter kill than normal across Russia, but a lot of that has been replaced by um, a much larger spring wheat area. So that sort of cancelled cancel that one out. So looking at relatively good production for Russia and Ukraine as well, following last year where production was fairly poor for wheat, corn and also rapeseed as well. We're looking at much better um, harvest come this season. And that's going to really ease some of that overall feed grain complex on the continent as we go and have an increased uh, availability of feed grains from the Black Sea, including especially corn from Ukraine, where we could see production bounce up by about another six million tonnes from the um, fairly poor yields of last season. So it's looking a lot better, you'd say, sort of continental Europe and the UK into the Black Sea as well. But the Americas are a bit of a concern. A lot of um, noise and sort of market jazz has been about the impacts that have been seen in certainly Brazil, where that safrina maize crop was really heavily impacted by a very long-lasting drought, and probably removed in the region of maybe 20 million tonnes of um, potential corn from the world for, for this coming season there. So it's a fairly major impact, and we saw prices react to that fairly strongly, and a big gains up in, into May in terms of corn markets, but that impact is still there. But there's also now concerns in the states as well. So in the US, a bit like the UK and Europe really, stocks are very tight by the end of this season, not just for grains, but also for oil seeds as well. And there's a real need to have good production levels for next season. So at the moment, we're in a bit of a weather market where we're really looking to the US, and that's driving the entire overall complex, as there's so much requirement now placed on next season. There's not that global buffer of large stocks to be able to account for any crop loss. And that's why we're seeing markets be fairly volatile and such a focus on uh, the dryness that we've seen certainly in parts of uh, northern states and also been affecting Canada as well. So that's really what we need to need to watch. And that is the, the wild card and where markets will be made or made or broken for next season is what's going to happen in the states where they can't afford to have fall in yields and have another consecutive year where stocks are really fairly minimal we would see a lot of market support if that would be the case and can we touch a little bit on oil seeds as well i know you mentioned there with regards to the americas but obviously uh, there'll be growers mm -hmm. here with their um, rope seed crops what 
what's happening in the oil seeds markets? We're going to talk about oil seeds. We probably ought to briefly talk about soybeans. It's not always a particularly popular topic to talk about, but it is really the, the major driver and the overarching theme of the entire oil seed complex. So we'll touch on it briefly. Essentially, stocks are incredibly tight in the US uh, for soybeans by the end, end of this season and also into next season as well. So even with good amount of production, that overall complex is going to be fairly tight into next year. There's always the ever-present uh, China with the year-on-year increasing demand for soybeans and increasing protein requirement. And that's just going to keep our overall seed market relatively well supported into, into next season. From a rapeseed perspective then, Prices have moved up significantly, factoring a lot of the uh, um, still tight rapeseed market now. And we're not actually at harvest yet. And a lot of the prices that are being baked into new crop futures are reflecting in many ways for a very tight old crop market. So Canada is particularly tight of rapeseed. We're sort of particularly tight in Europe as well. And Ukraine ship most of their uh, um, exports in the, the first few months of the season so right now the world is very very tight of rapeseed. Looking to next season though there's a bit of growing confidence. I know in the UK planted area is down but if we go and look elsewhere typically it start off with Ukraine and although there's a bit of a reduction in area due to much better conditions we're a bit more confident in production. We'd like to see a slight increase in production in Ukraine and in Europe conditions haven't been too bad either. We were a bit concerned about some early frosts, which were really fairly heavy, certainly in France, but the overall assessment is that the potential impact on yields has actually been relatively minor. And in Canada, it's still very dry at the moment. It is a concern, but we are expecting the area to be up. So if there's some good rains that come across Canada, and, we could, and there is some, and it's getting to be a slightly improving picture, then we're likely to see a slightly larger Canadian oil seed crop. And then in Australia too, you know, they are going to be fairly important for the second half of this coming season, comes sort of that February towards May kind of time of next year. It's a long way away, but it's important to take note of. And these currently very elevated prices are likely to have a, an impact in area in Australia. Farmers are going to be particularly incentivized to probably increase their area. So it's looking to be a slightly better supplied year on year, but we can't guarantee that just yet, obviously. But I think a lot of the risk that we're seeing is being re um, reflected in prices where we're seeing oil seed rate markets really very elevated to record pre-harvest levels. But I think a lot of that could just be reflecting the current very tight old crop market. We've not got through to harvest yet. And can you just give our listeners a few watch points that they need to be considering? No matter where we look, be it rapeseed, be it corn prices or wheat, there's a lot of risk being factored into price now for next season. Markets could obviously move a lot higher if we go and see um, fears for production levels in the US for next season. That would likely push markets a lot higher than where we are now. But just bear in mind that markets are reflecting expectation and there's already a lot of risk priced into these levels. And if we go and see good production levels coming out of the US, that's really the major watch factor then we're likely going to see um, some pressure on the overall commodity markets uh, through into next season. So that's really the, the main watch factor. Keep an eye out on USD WASD, 
on various production estimates and uh, the weather as well for the US. That's going to make or break this new crop market, but just be aware that risk is already priced in and there could be further to fall from where we are now. Thanks to Peter for his analysis. And finally, Farmers Guardian is looking for nominations for our March the Heart Awards. Stephanie Ryder is our Head of Commercial Sales. Steph, for those listeners who don't know about March the Heart, tell us what it's all about. Well, we launched the March the Heart Awards in 2015 and the campaign proved to be an outstanding success, really. It was, it's really well received and really well supported. And it's really recognising the important part that the markets play. You know, they're essential to the health and well-being of any farm business with livestock and auctions in many ways are at the forefront of the livestock industry. So we all know that the market isn't just a place to buy and sell. It's a hub. It's a place where you share ideas, where you support each other. If everyone, if someone's got a problem and they're feeling a bit low, they might go to the market and the neighbour might be saying that they've got a similar problem. They can use the markets not just for getting ideas and just gauging on the price of stock. They can have a haircut, they can check the health out. So they really are a key part of our agricultural industry, really. And you're looking for nominations for this year's. Do you want to tell me a little bit about exactly what you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking for nominations for the market of the year this year. It's slightly different. We've done it slightly different because obviously in 2020, COVID-19 posed a huge threat to the marts, potentially looking at a period of prolonged closure, uh, which would not only affect the auctions, um, but also the farmers who rely on them for the trade. Um, But true to the resilience shown by the market sector over many years, huge efforts were made to keep them open and allow trade to continue um, as close as normal as they could really. So the award aims to identify and acknowledge the driven and progressive auction markets uh, which kept trading throughout the pandemic and really stepped up to the plate so you know whether it was implementation of drop and go facilities um, how they uh, worked through and worked in the social distancing measures or the turn to technology to keep people linked to the sales even if they weren't there in person the other award we're doing Alex which we do eat every year which is so well received is the UK's premier auction cafe so obviously the cafe is the center of the mart life and it doesn't matter for either of the wards whether they're large or small markets or market cafes uh, on the cafe front we're looking for a cafe which is a central hub for the market produces great quality food using British uh, products at a reasonable price and served with a smile because again we all know that the markets are a meeting place, share a cuppa, uh, share ideas and obviously get things off your chest as well as chew the fat. Excellent. And how does somebody um, nominate a mart or a cafe? So uh, the closing date for nominations is July the 2nd and uh, people can vote with the form that's in the Farmer's Guardian or if they go to www.fginsight.com forward slash marts the heart uh, they can do it all online there so the shortlisted marts and cafes will be announced in farmers guardian on july the 30th and then it's down to the public vote for the shortlisted markets and market cafes and the public vote closes on the 31st of august 
And then the awards will be formally presented as part of the British Farming Awards on October the 21st, which is a super night. If you have the opportunity to go, please do, because uh, it's just like-minded farmers just celebrating everything that's good in uh, the farming world, really. And that's held at the National Conference Centre in Birmingham. Now it's in its sixth year, the Farmers Guardian Marks the Heart Awards will be hopefully well received, but please do get behind your markets uh, and show them your support. Well, that's it for this week. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes and don't forget to send in your nominations for Marks the Heart. Until next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well and goodbye for now. Bye.